Welcome to Revere Assets, Your Money, with Danny Stewart. You never know how far the stock is going to go down. Tim Razor. Danny knows I'm a geek for all of this stuff. And Don Vandenborg. Telling it like it is. If you're seeking the best stock knowledge this side of Wall Street, you've come to the right place. I'm sorry, did I steal your stuff? No, you didn't steal any thunder. Who's handling this segment? (laughs) For the next hour, Danny, Tim, and Don will be talking investing. Investing is 90% psychological, and I love that. Trades. The market will usually overshoot to the downside and to the upside. And dumpster fires. Because it doesn't matter what you think or what I think, and it matters even less what Danny thinks. And now, here's your hosts... Danny, Tim, and Don. Mia culpa. I was wrong. I was wrong. No, no, not me. Morgan Stanley's chief strategist, Wilson, not Brian, Mike. Mike Wilson was wrong, completely wrong this year. He kept saying he was a bear. The market was going down, and he finally threw in the towel. So we only have a couple bears left, Uh, probably Michael Guyad and um, um, what's the other one, Don? Um, Hedgeye. 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 There you go. And and, and maybe two others, but, but in any event, He's saying he was wrong, and that's why we say at Revere, it's okay to be wrong, Mike. It's okay to be wrong. It's not okay to stay wrong. So my question is, seven months into it, are you just now coming around? What, what, what took you so long? Anyway, welcome to the party. Also, that's why we don't predict, because we're wrong a lot less when you try to predict. And Stephanie Link has the what to expect in the second half of 2023, but 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 didn't we just say we're not gonna predict? And I'll tell you a little bit about the story, but Dan Cole, a little bit of a backstory. We used to have Stephanie linked on the show all the time. But and then greenwashing. Are you getting greenwashed? Are are your investments greenwashed and, and getting watered down or greened down with a bunch of stuff in there? Do you even know what greenwashing is? We'll talk about that. And is greenwash is that like AI? Is that is AI? getting greenwashed now. Is everybody doing the same thing with AI? And finally, the the Fed scared everybody a couple days ago by raising rates one more time. We had a little bit of a market sell-off. It was really probably more about Japan, and we'll talk about that. But now the market today, Friday, is acting very, very good. So, you know, I said a few weeks ago, the train is leaving the station. Are you on board? And then it looked like the train was pausing on Wednesday, and now it looks like it's going to resume. We're going to talk all about that uh, and and talk about and get with the team on Your Money Radio. But first, I want to talk about Stephanie Link. So Stephanie Link used to come on our show a lot. She was uh, 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 she used to work for Jim Cramer and kind of made Jim Cramer look smart. She's very good econo- economist, and she's good with the earnings. She knows all the estimates and the numbers, and she's good with the economic cycle. The question is and remains, is that does that help? Does that asset allocation, overweight, underweight pie chart help, or is it better to be more active? And then I was talking about greenwashing. Do you even know, John, have you heard that term greenwashing? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, you, I, I figured you did. Some people don't. Some people in our industry don't. So, folks, greenwashing, let me see if I can find that um, um, definition. This guy does not. Okay. Okay. So, basically, this guy. Now, he, he, look, you've got different factions. I actually got two different articles. All these are in the show notes, by the way, so you can... Um, um, do your own research. One is for pro ESG investing. That stands for environmental, social, and governance risk. And what they're trying to say is these companies should take in consideration climate change, global warming, and they should invest in companies that have a high 
governance score, meaning they're concerned about the environment, social, and which is not bad. I'm not saying that's bad or good. Uh, that's just what ESG investing is. Then on the other side, you say this guy says ESG investing is just simply woke activism. Now, folks, probably somewhere in the middle, there's a little bit, there's somewhere in the truth. But let me give you a couple facts. So ESG investing just sprang to life in 2020, just started. It's been around a little bit longer than that, but basically it took hold. And in 2020, or following the financial crisis, there was zero market share in funds, exchange-traded funds, mutual funds, in, quote, ESG-labeled funds. ESG-labeled funds. Um, by uh, 2020, the end of 2020, it exceeded $16 trillion with projections to $50 trillion by 2025. 11% of all those assets are in the, the U.S. Now, there's been outflows this last quarter of, of, of 2022. They actually lost $6.2 billion because there's been a lot of pushback. I'm sure you heard about it, Florida, Texas, a lot of stuff. Here's a couple other facts, though. None of the high-sustaining funds, meaning the funds that have the highest ESG rating, outperformed any of the lowest-rated ESG funds. And in fact, did very poorly against just all the funds. So the problem is the whole story, it's like um, Field of Dreams. You build it and they'll come. You do the ESG investing and you do it right. You take your good steward and it will, it, will, it will work out and your returns will better. Well, that hasn't panned out. And the other problem is a lot of people just put lipstick on the pig. So of the 253 funds that switched to ESG focus in 2022, 87% of them, most of them, rebranded with words like sustainable, ESG, green, or climate in their name. But not one of them changed any of their asset allocation. So they didn't change any stocks. They just changed their name. Now, look, I'm not, I don't really, I'm not, I'm not really cared about that. I'm not trying to make a political statement. I'm trying to draw parallels. So everybody was all raving about this ESG just two or three years ago. And if you just threw ESG on your fund name, that fund got a little pop for a couple of weeks. And then the hoopla was over. Now they're getting pushed back and it's actually, it's becoming maybe a negative. Maybe it's not, maybe it doesn't really do anything. And by the way, these companies should be a good steward and should be uh, managing effectively to shareholders anyway. And if you do things uh, poorly and you pollute and stuff, it's, it's a negative blowback anyway. So it, theoretically, it should ESG investing should automatically be incorporated uh, with good corporate governance. But the main thing is this ESG investing reminds me of AI now. All these companies, they just want to label, put AI on their name, or we're looking into AI, and they get a pop in performance. I'm not saying AI is bad. It's going to help productivity. The question is whether it's overblown or not. So like in the tech wreck, right before the tech wreck, everything was internet. You got an internet, you, you, open, you, you got an internet for your company, your company stopped, uh, popped 15%. Now, a lot of uh, efficiency did come out of the Internet, but did, was that overblown? You had the big rise in the NASDAQ, and then you had the sell-off. So was that where we are with ESG investing, and is that where we are in AI investing? And more importantly, how do you part participate without getting run over? Because all of these areas are going to have big swings up and big swings down. It Revere, we're tactical. We don't really want to ride the market cycles. We want to try to reduce the risk when it's high, and we want to try to miss a lot of the drawdowns. Um, um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to get in the markets because um, everything Damn. was acting. Yeah. Dan, I, I want to make a correction. The G in ESG stands for garbage because that's <laughs> what it really is. 
You said you didn't want to make a political statement, but the very people that are running this are making a make it a hundred percent political because when Elon Musk bought Twitter and started loosening up some of the uh, speech suppression that uh, the previous Twitter regime was doing, they made the reaction to actually give download te uh, downgrade Tesla's ESG score to the point where ExxonMobil, an oil company, has a better ESG score than Tesla, one of the preeminent green companies uh, in the world. So they've made it political. It is political. It's garbage. I understand. Uh, and, and they're also going to gloss over the fact that all this cobalt mining by uh, that Tesla does and all these other companies to get their, their uh, lithium and cobalt that is being done by a lot of children over in foreign countries. It's not clean and it's not environmentally friendly and it's not good governance. So they didn't downgrade him for that, though. They downgraded him on some kind of nonsense about somebody filed a whistleblower complaint. So ESG is garbage, <laughs> period. Tell us how you really feel, Don. Hey, listen, you've got a good point. And by the way, folks, the big boys like BlackRock really started pushing the ESG and really wanted to get the regulators on board. And they saw a big potential because they have, they own the lobby. I mean, they, they, they are the lobby. They, 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 you know, influenced the regulators. They saw a big opportunity to make a lot of money. It's also very expensive to keep up with the, the regulations and the protocols. And so it's advantageous to bigger companies because smaller companies can't keep up with the regulation. But, but, but what Don just said, I want to tie into the theme of the show because it doesn't matter whether you're liberal or conservative, Democrat or Republican, when we're talking about making money, okay? I'm not, I'm not red or, red or, or, or I'm, not either, I'm not red or blue. What's the other color? Hell, I don't even know. I, I, it's I'm, purple. I'm, yeah, I'm, not a, I'm, not a, I'm not a donkey or an elephant. I don't care. When it comes to making money, I'm one color. It's green. Okay? I want to try to make money and I want to reduce risk when it's dangerous. And I, I don't want to get caught in the marketing or the hype, whether it's the tech wreck with the thing going way up, whether it was, uh, uh, oh my God, the um, uh, uh, 3D printing in 2014-15, the big hype, those stocks went up 100-200% and then just crashed, or whether it's uh, AI or environmental investing. How do you manage it and how do you manage and separate uh, the noise from the signal? Okay. I want to try to separate all the vibration and all the noise. And I want to get the main signal, the main trend. Is the market trending higher or trending lower? That's the main thing. And it looked like we were in really smooth uptrend until just a couple days ago. And we had a little shakeout. And now it looks like we got, got back under our feet again. So with that, I'm going to, and folks, by the way, I'd like to uh, say, first of all, I'd like to give the disclaimer, what you hear here today, this is for uh, research and entertainment, and it's to give you some investment ideas. We talk about stuff that we buy in the shop, we're actively managing and we're doing, but don't just go out to some really good looking, smart, handsome guy on the radio told you to go buy something or talked about it. You need to do your own research. And if you want to, uh, you know, re reach out to your own investment advisor or, or reach out to us, if you've got a, a question or you want a topic discussed or uh, 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 you want a, a complimentary portfolio review. All right. So I'm going to take it over to the team, Revere. I do want to mention one thing on the mailbag so you can, we didn't have really many on the mailbag this week. We only had one. That's unusual. Normally we get quite a few, but if you've got an idea and you want a stock you want talked about or a topic you want to discuss, just go to the, our uh, 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 website, revereasset.com, up in the right-hand corner. There's a Contact Us button. Just shoot me an email. Um, this is from Dr. MS um, on Wednesday, the 26th in the morning, and it's about transmedics, and this is a stock that he's been following. He's a physician and is a biotech medical uh, transmedics. The stock has rebounded and is looking good. Might be time for a revisit on the Friday program. We will, and I, this is my answer, we will discuss on the show pros and cons. Thanks. So with that backdrop, you don't have to discuss that first, Don, 
uh, transmedics. You can if you want or you don't, either way. But then I want to talk about the main focus of the show is what is the market telling us right now? How do we react and how do we uh, play it heading into uh, 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 August, July? Yeah, I've got the TMDX chart up, so we'll we'll hit that first. Um we uh, we're familiar with this story. It got uh, on our radar uh, late last year when it gapped up on earnings, uh, and uh, Alex dug into the story quite a bit. He's uh, kind of our medical products expert, and they really do have a fantastic uh, story. They've got a system that keeps one of the problems with transplants is that the organs die during um, during transport. Transport. They've yeah. got they've got yeah they've got a system that. Uh, has cut dramatically down on the spoilage, if you will, uh, of organs. And it's it's kind of revolutionary. It's got the potential to become the ISRG of the transplant um, industry. But the stock is has just, it's going, it's trending nicely higher, but it's doing it in fits and starts, uh, meaning it's having gaps or a couple days where it trends up strongly, but then it tends to give those gains uh, all back. And as you know, we have stops for everything that we buy and we're not going to sit through uh, a shakeout on something. Um, take for example, uh, last November, it gapped higher and it just creeped higher little by little along the 21. Then it went into another base. Then its next earnings report, it had a very nice gap up. We got involved more with it here. That lasted for about two weeks. Uh, and then it faded. You'll notice that the market started to fade then, but then recovered, but the stock didn't recover along with the market. It made lower lows. Uh, it had a two-day out of nowhere uh, big move up. Uh, it got back on our radar, and then it proceeded to just give that entire move up over the next three weeks. Uh, then it formed a base, tried to break out, failed to break out. Uh, then it went up for eight straight days, had a massive negative reversal. Uh, at the 100 level and it's basing above the 21 day moving average so if you're somebody that's willing to sit through something because you believe in the story that's great we we insist that the chart match the story of anything that we do and right now uh, this it just doesn't have quite enough institutional support behind it uh, to provide support on these days when it wants to uh, distribute stock from the strong hands to the weak hands and that's kind of why we'd stayed away from it it's you know my a bit on the illiquid side uh for us also but uh, we're, we're familiar with the story it's a great story uh but we don't like the way the stock trades all stocks have a personality and this one's personality is to suck you in and then disappoint you and um that's why we've we've uh, stayed clear of it since we got stopped out last time uh, when it had this harsh sell-off on this failed breakout uh, back in April, so it's, so it's April so it's really it, so it's really not not a bad stock. It's just you've got like Tim no. used to say, you can't great. touch all the water. You just you've got other stocks you like more. Well, it's a great story. It's a, a the stock doesn't match the story. It's just it, it trades choppy. It trades somewhat illiquid, and uh, it's still in the process of going through institutional accumulation and and really making a name for itself. Uh, I don't know how big the transplant market is to know that this can become uh, a stock that's just absolutely massive in its target market. That right. may be another issue with it, but uh, great company, uh, not so great a stock because of how it's a serial disappointer. Okay. All right, well, let's talk about the overall markets and the plans. Well, let's go first. Dan to the guy that puts the fun in fundamentals and that's Michael Ramos and we need to congratulate <laughs> him for passing his uh, CFA oh. level one. Oh yeah baby job, Mike I, and my apologies Congrats. for forgetting to bring that up for bringing that up uh, last last uh, last week uh, th thanks guys appreciate it um, the fun and fundamentals. I mean, it's fun, fun to me. Hopefully, it's it's fun for everyone else. But um, uh, I'll do my best to to try to make it 
a little now exciting. mike you know you know you're the go-to guy uh, i mean sometimes yeah you're the go-to guy when it comes to that on our team calls everybody's like mike do you know about the mike do you know what about the fundamentals <laughs> don't don't worry about that's, it that's what i'm here for don't worry about it mike that's people right. say the same thing about don and the technicals oh the technicals are fun watch don he just gets into it <laughs> yeah well um i i love it I think it's fun, so I'll do I'll do my best um, at, at making it a little exciting um, for the podcast. Um, so I, I wanted to revisit a uh, a theme in a sector I'd spoken about before, which is the the copper miners, uh, because now we're at a point where the the charts and the technicals are starting to line up with the with the fundamentals and the story. And a, a good chart for that you can pull up uh, COPX. Uh, that that's I think the best ETF for for pure. Um, play on, on the miners, but a name specifically I want to talk about because they had earnings recently is, is Freeport MacMoran, which is my favorite ticker within the, within the ETF and the, the name that I've been accumulating shares in and, um, Freeport. So their main businesses, they basically have, have three lines of business. They mine copper, gold, and molybdenum. Uh, and copper is their main source of revenue and makes up 65% of their revenues. So the main focus for Freeport is their, their copper mining and what they say, I'll just go through their, their earnings report, their presentation and explain a few things on there, um, to make it easier to digest for, for the audience who may not be so familiar with how copper miners work in that industry, but basically copper, the theme I've been speaking about and, and they, they they mentioned the earnings and they've been talking about it for a few years now is it's the metal of electrification. So, uh, the current copper market, it's, uh, you've got slowing global growth in the manufacturing sector, which is sort of putting a, a ceiling on copper prices. Uh, but you've got auto and EV growth, uh, EVs growing rapidly and copper intensive expansion of renewables and the supporting infrastructure. So even though you've got manufacturing slowdown and China, the, you've seen weakness in their property sector, which is their, the largest part of their economy, their copper consumption actually continued to grow. Uh, and they've seen a lot of growth in EVs and renewables. So even with those headwinds, they're, they're still continuing to, to grow their consumption of copper. And there's really low inventory levels globally. So that, uh, that should, based on that supply demand imbalance should put pressure on prices to continue going higher it, the forecast for copper demand in 2022, 25 million tons were, were, uh, used up and the demand forecast for 2035 is for 50 million tons, 50 million metric tons. And that's a double in, in demand over the next 13, well now 12 years. So we've got this looming supply gap expected and the time it takes for new mines to come online is between 12 and 15 years. So you're not going to get a lot of supply from new mines and price will need to rise to incentivize these new supplies because it, it's very capital intensive. It's very expensive. There's a lot of fixed costs associated with these mines. You got to have your IRR, which is how they calculate uh, the, the net present value of these future um, cash flows and whether or not it makes sense, it's viable to, to even start building these mines. So the only way to get that and incentivize these, this production is, is through higher prices. Um, you've got the intensity of copper used in electrification rising, low carbon technologies driving massive growth in metals demand. And renewables growth is supposed to rise from 10% to 60% of how we generate power uh, under this 2050 plan of net zero. So those are all the fundamental tailwinds for the sector and the reason why prices should be going higher in the future. And Freeport specifically, they mine copper in North, South, North and South America and Indonesia. And something that I thought was incredible from their earnings report, you can see it on their presentation, is in Indonesia where they produce most of their copper, their cost per pound of copper, it, it, copper mined is actually negative six cents. So they're getting paid to mine copper. And the reason for that is because they get these, these credits for um, uh, ba basically credits from the government. And, uh, and yeah, they, they have a negative cost of, of production in Indonesia, where, which is where they produce more than 50% of their copper. 
and their largest mine in Indonesia, which is called Grassberg, their costs are actually negative nine cents. Um, and their operating cash flows, which is how you, you can kind of put a value on this company, for every 10, 10 cent change in the price of copper, their operating cash flows increase or decrease by $335 million. So the reason why these operating cash flows are important and the reason why the, as you'll notice, the stock is actually very correlated. It almost moves in tandem with the price of copper in a way you can see the price on, on MarketSmith is CPER. That's um, the, the actual ETF that tracks the, the price of copper. Um, the way that so the way that you get something called free cash flow, which is what what you want to look at in terms of either what cash the company can distribute to its shareholders, use to buy back stock, or reinvest in the company. The way you get to free cash flow is you subtract the capital expenditures from the operating cash flows. So as these operating cash flows change and they fluctuate with the price of copper you've got high fixed costs in this industry, which means that they have high operating leverage. All their capital expenditures are planned way in advance. These fixed costs, they can't really change. They plan it and they've got to stick to that plan because it, it's like moving a cruise ship. These, these costs are already baked in, they're fixed. So what they're moving on is, is based on this, um, the, this increase or decrease in CapEx and then free cash flow. And that's why there's a big benefit on the way up. So as prices keep going up, $335 million per 10 cents of, of additional um, price is, is going straight to the bottom line. But in a period of an economic slowdown or some sort of shock where the price of copper actually goes way down, because they've got all these fixed costs that they can't do anything about and high operating leverage, the share price just absolutely craters. And, and you saw that in 08. Uh, you can see how, how recessions really take a toll on these, uh, these companies with, with high um, operating leverage. So that is something to be cautious of. The only reason why I personally, I've been building a position, I have a decent sized position now, but I'm not going full size position and, and really going all in is because you've still got these headwinds this concern about a recession, slowdown in China, a lot of things that, that are yet to uh, fully clear and then some sort of clouds over the um, horizon. So yeah, you, you just gotta be careful. But for now, the price, um, even with those headwinds, price of copper continues going higher and um, it, it'll, it'll go straight to the bottom line. So keep an eye on, on the copper miners and specifically FCX. Good stuff, Mike. You can see by some of the lines I drew on this chart how it keeps uh, ascending to different levels within price, and it's now reached a level where it had resistance back in February and in April. It's got a nice, uh, it's choppy, but it's a nice uh, upward sloping relative strength line, so it's outperforming the S&P 500. And this uh, 44 area, it's uh, consolidating between like 42.50 and 44. Uh, and uh, after that, uh, you got this, the top of this base at 46.73, they already reported earnings, uh, which resulted in a gap up and then a lower volume back in fill before it moved up to this uh, next highest level. So charts looking pretty good. Thanks, Mike. Next up, we've got uh, Teddy Bull 10 charts. Usually Ted shows uh, some uh, breadth-related charts, but we're going to take a look at uh, 10 individual stock names that are uh, certainly leading stocks. Most of them are on the, uh, the 2121 list. So, uh, Ted, you want to take it away with uh, your leading stock list? Yeah. So even after yesterday's nasty reversal, that seemed pretty ominous. There's still an abundance of stocks and uptrends showing enormous power as well as stocks that are beginning to digest, which is definitely very healthy. Uh, and so what Don said, I'll showcase 10 of, 10 of some of the strongest stocks that I believe are in the markets right now that are on digestion watch. I don't think they're necessarily viable now, but just pay attention to them over the next few weeks to few months for low risk entry points. So the first one is on the screen right now, NVIDIA. I mean, we all know this is the like the liquid liquid leader in the markets. It's the one that all funds have to own. It's above all key moving averages. The RS line is above the 21 EMA. 
which means it's outperforming in the S&P 500 in the last 21 days. Um, and sorry, not 21 days, just based off the calculations, it's, it's, um, it's doing well. Um, and then it's also looking to form an ascending base, which is what William O'Neill talks about as one of the most rarest and but most powerful technical patterns that we can see. And it usually happens in the middle of a move, which, is, which makes sense. That's about right now. Um, so that's, that's NVIDIA right there. The second one is Airbnb. The RS line is pointed in that one o'clock direction, even though the 12 month RS rating is only 91. Um, it's trending above the 21 EMA and it just broke out of this bottoming base. And even yesterday on that reversal, we held the 8 EMA and today we're making new highs again. So that's another one to watch. And it's not even that extended right now. Maybe if you get another pullback or something, you can, you can find entry here. The third one is Celsius. This, unlike the first two, even though the RS line has crossed below the 20, 21 EMA, I still consider this a leader and very powerful because after the power's earnings gap, it drifted higher with the relative strength line trending above the 21 EMA. But like, like all stocks, they need to digest. And when they go through basing periods, it's inevitable that it's gonna, out, it's gonna underperform the S&P 500. So we have earnings in 13 days. So perhaps this just goes sideways until that earnings report. And maybe we get another power earnings gap like that first one, depending on how they report. The fourth one is DraftKings. It's just pure power here. We broke out and then we just formed this smaller ledge. Even after yesterday's reversal, it acted fine. Didn't even see above average volume. Pretty much held at 8 EMA and now, now we're heading higher so far. Um, so just another one that's very, very strong. And with, with the NFL season coming up soon in, in the fall season, this is something to look after because gambling is very popular nowadays in America. Fifth one, we've talked about this numerous times on this podcast is ELF. Um, I mean, like even, even during what the macro guys call a recession, people were still buying makeup. So maybe that was... That could have been an early indicator that maybe we weren't heading into a recession. Um, look at that breakout. It's model book, textbook action, holding the 50-day moving average pretty much the entire way up. We have earnings in four days. So this current pause is fine, even though the RS line just broke below the 21 EMA. Um, so we'll see what, what they report. Sixth one, this, unlike the other ones, doesn't really have earnings and revenue but it's that quantum computing themed stock. It broke out of high type flag is in just, and it's just trending nicely above the AEMA. The ATR on this one is definitely large, so it's much harder to hold, but I just wanted to showcase this power and it's up 13% today after yesterday's reversal. So just, and, and it's another new high. So just, it's got the theme, it's got the story um, and it's got the power. Seventh one is, an ADR, it's LI, it's a Chinese EV stock. And I mean, after that power's earnings gap, this is textbook um, post earnings gap drift action, completely respecting the eight and 21 EMAs. And now it's accelerating. If Don, you, if you bring up a weekly chart, um, I believe it is above that previous highs it made earlier. Yep, I think it's just above those previous highs in, in June, 2022, yep. So it's clearing that supply. And if we close here, I think that is an all time high weekly close that we would print. So since IPO, so definitely very, very powerful. And that RS line is just accelerating at this point. Um, eighth one, we've also talked about this numerous times like ELF is SMCI. This is arguably one of the strongest stocks. Well, it is one of the strongest stocks in the market. Um, it broke out of a high type flag. We own this in growth protection and it's been a great hold from Don from that lower like pivot area near the 21 EMA. And it, I, it's up over 50%, I think at this point. So RS line co continues to confirm a new high. Even yesterday on a reversal, we closed green and the RS line made a new high. So that was screaming higher if the market turns up and we, we got that today. The ninth one is VRT. 
This is in the same space as SMCI with data center equipment supporting that AI theme. I mean, it broke out of this bottoming base and now it's run up over a hundred percent and now forming this flag. So just like SMCI, I'm looking for it to break those tops. If you could draw that flat line across, yeah, or that downtrend line that works too, potentially actionable next week, but it does have earnings. So that is something to watch out for. Um, so that's that for that name, another very powerful name. And just about this, like after yesterday's reversal, it's really important to see what is what, what has held up well, what is still exhibiting lower volatility. For example, like if you were to quickly bring up ONON, Don, like that volatility is what I consider cancer and we want to avoid at least in the, at least in the short term. If this continues to build out its right side and like exhibit some volatility contraction, then it'll be another playable name. I mean, this undercut reversal is pretty constructive, but you still want to avoid these megaphone type names. And lastly, Uber, another stock that I believe Connor has brought up in the past. Um, just textbook action, post earnings gap, like the SMCIs, the, the LIs of the world, the ELFs of the world. Um, RS line, I believe might be making new high today. It looks just about there, trending above the 21 EMA. And yeah, liquid leader. And then finally, just one last word to say, like a lot of these leaders I've shown pretty much started trending after earnings gaps. And that is primarily due to that reg FD um, that came in after the, I think the 2000 ruling. And so I personally really like watching earnings reactions and trading them for post earnings drift because you get the highest velocity gains in the shortest period of time. It's a definitely a huge edge to be studied at master. And that's all I have for this week. All right. Good stuff, Ted. Full disclosure uh, in our portfolios for clients of those 10, we own uh, NVIDIA, SMCI and Uber. Uh, got stopped yesterday on Celsius. So that's uh, that's where we stand as far as what we're holding in-house. Uh, finally, let's go, last but not least, let's go over to Connor, who's got uh, some nice charts to show, uh, share, the, share with the group. So Connor, take it away. Yeah, so uh, today I wanted to go over a technical indicator that we use at Revere um, that can help uh, selling into strength, buying weakness, and managing an existing position. And when you look back at it, you can see it can be powerful. So the first chart Don's pulling up is just the chart in S&P. And yeah, it, it looks a little messy, but this is on TOS. So if any of you guys have Thinkorswim, I'd be more than happy to tell you how to make this. But so basically what this is, this is a four ATR Keltner channel um study indicator on this chart so what that means is we have the 21 day exponential moving average that's the middle line and then each band outside of it is one atr extension from the 21 uh, day exponential moving average so what we use this for is that when you look back and you study stocks movements and and how they act is they're almost rarely never going to get extended for atr from the 21 day moving average and so this can be a big help because you know say you're watching the indexes and they really look like they're breaking out the chart looks good and but it's coming into a four atr extension well that might not be the best area to buy because when you look back some the s p and you, and you go back in time i went Last weekend, I, I went 20 years back, and it's it's very rare to get out of that 4 ATR extension. And if it does, um, it, it's rare to hold outside of that. So this helps this because this can kind of give you a gauge of like, hey, like where's the market at in relation to the 21 day? Um, so, and and the S and P is going to affect the overall market as well. So that that's something we use. And when you look at it. Um, where we pulled back this year in February, that was exactly right at the three ATR extension. And that coincided with the, with the first pullback of the year. And that if you could have had this up, that could have been a good indication that, hey, maybe selling some into strength and managing these positions would be smart at this uh, point in the market. So yeah, Don, if you go to the queues next. And yeah, next one, this one was really cool to look at 
back in time. So no secret, the NASDAQ's been killing it this year. It's, it's been the strongest index year to date. And it was, uh, it was very strong into February, but it topped when it uh, bout to the penny, it pierced that four ATR extension from the 21 day moving average. And that was at uh, 313, so uh, price level wise. And then right when it hit that, that coincided with the, with that February pullback. If you were in it trading in that, it, it was pretty harsh. Um, so after touching that, the market pulled back from 313 all the way down to 284 in, in quite a short period of time. And when you look, so it rejected the four ATR extension and then it came down and found support at the two ATR extension to the downside. So you can, this goes both ways and, and I was looking, it's not included in this chart, but when the market bottomed in October, um, the indexes all found support at a three ATR extension to the downside. So it goes both ways, you know, the market's going to mean revert. So when you see these extreme readings in, in both ways, this can just raise your eye and, and make you uh, think about what you own and how you want to manage it. So, and then lastly, those, the, that was the SPY and the Qs. I wanted to show this on an individual stock, one of the strongest stocks this year to show that when a stock has strength, the stock really has strength because SMCI is one of the rare cases where a stock gaps out of this, these bands. And as you can see, it gapped up at a price level um, of, it was, well, it gapped up a little over 200 out of that four ATR. And as you can see, it lasted about three, three daily closes above before coming back inside. And, and it's a little different with individual stocks. When you see stock gapping up on a huge earnings beat with huge volume, institutions are buying, this might not be as relevant. Um, and if, if you see it getting very extended, you can employ some simple tactics such as move your stop up to yesterday's low. So that will ensure that you can capture the majority of the move, although it's extended because stocks can stay extended both ways um, and all of that. So, and this has been one of the strongest stocks in the market. So that just shows that how, how much buying really was going on here. And so, yeah, this, this is something that we've always used. Um, it's great for my process, for, for the team revere process. And I think, think there's some value in using this to, to gauge where, where you're at in the market cycles. So that's all I've got for today. Thanks, Connor. One of the benefits of this is uh, I've been talking about historically the percentages that I watch where the indexes are extended from to see if they're getting too extended. But actually a better gauge of that is how many ATR is it extended uh, from the 21 and the reason or the 50. And the reason for that is uh, the declining volatility. First of all, the escalating volatility that we saw during the bear market. And then when the market bottomed, uh, as is typical, the declining volatility that we've seen because 4% uh, is just 4%. It doesn't tell you how wide the, uh, the instrument moves on a typical day. But for example, the S&P 500 has seen its, uh, its ATR decrease from 2.5% per day all the way down to under 0.8%. That's a massive uh, collapse of volatility and uh, it's really more appropriate to, meant to uh, measure from the 21 in terms of ATR uh, instead of flat percentage points. So uh, that's something we'll be taking away and filing in the future when we look to see where things are. So as far as the overall market goes, I'm gonna bring the S&P uh, 500 back up here and I'm gonna comment, uh, follow up from my Thursday video. Uh, the title of it was, is it, is it time to get cautious? And in that video, I detailed several reasons why it was time to get cautious. Uh, the market, did not care that I thought it was time to get cautious is <laughs> completely ignored um, some of the reasons yesterday uh, why I thought it was time to get short-term caution. And as Dan mentioned earlier in this business, it's okay to be wrong. It's just not okay to stay wrong. Uh, we're not going to uh, stay bullish when the market is, is getting ugly and we're not going to uh, stay cautious if the market is showing strength. So market shook off what right now looks like a one-day scare event out of uh, some 
news that came out of Japan that they might be looking to do something with their uh, interest rate policy that would impact the carry trade. The market had kind of a one-day panic in the, from the interest rate standpoint, uh, but those interest rates have pulled back uh, since the big move up yesterday. And um, maybe it's, it, we're still over 4% here on the 30-year, which has been uh, a kind of an inflection point. Uh, but the market is shaking off the fears from yesterday and just continuing to uh, go higher. So uh, that's telling us that yesterday may be a non-event and we'll go back to our process of looking for the best stocks in the, in the leading sectors uh, in a bull market. So, so if nothing else, this market is extremely resilient and it's respecting uh, it's respecting key averages on a pullback. It broke out yesterday, failed, but it's attempting that uh, re-breakout uh, right back in line with what it attempted to do yesterday. So we'll be looking to add exposure back uh, at low risk entry points like we always do. And and in, and and in in fairness, our bait is still way over one, and we're up as much as the market today. We're doing very well. So we're doing, right. we, we so, took risk off, but we still had plenty of risk. Yeah, and what I was looking at was uh, really this 4583-ish level that was pierced uh, with the gap up yesterday. It came back, it tested it, and it bounced off of it. So that was like just what we wanted to see. Uh, but then later in the afternoon, the violence of the way this broke right through that level and continued through the lows of the day was a change in character for the market. But uh, as I said, that change in character lasted all of about two hours now. Uh, the market's taken back off to the upside. I want to make sure that it holds. You can see this 4580-ish level. We tested it in the morning, failed, got back through it late uh, late morning, and we're pulling back right to that level right now, 4583-ish. We're at 4585. So this is kind of a key level uh, to keep an eye on as that was uh, a key support resistance level in the near term. And uh, breaking above that 4083 is a breakout. That breakout failed yesterday. We're trying to get back above that level today. And if it if we do, then that just uh, reiterates the strength in this current market and we'll be taking appropriate action. Yeah, let me let me explain the carry trade real quick. So our listener, because that is a huge deal. And that's one reason why the market sold off so violently and so quickly yesterday. So the Japanese yen, the, the, the Japanese have had their interest rates and their currency essentially at zero, the race to zero. They won the race to zero. They, were the, they took rates down to zero. They kept their currency weak. So you could go borrow these big, big multi-billion dollar hedge funds. They go borrow in Japanese yen because rates are almost zero. And they can go invest in other, they can exchange it into another currency right? Like a, like a, a American dollars. And then they go buy us stocks. So if our stock market's a place to be, they go borrow the cheapest money in the world. They go buy Japanese borrow in Japanese dollars. Cause they, that's their liability. They're short the yen. They got to pay that back. And then they're long stocks. They go buy stocks and they make the difference in the money. If all of a sudden the Japanese start raising their interest rates, that supports their currency that strengthens their currency. Now the carry trade, when you when you sell when you take profit on your stocks or you sell the stocks, you got to transit. You got to uh, convert your, your uh, the yen back into your home currency. And if that yen is stronger, if you have a currency loss, now it doesn't make it nearly as advantageous. In other words, as the, as the interest rates in Japan rise and their currency gets stronger, that carry trade doesn't work anymore. So what happens? These big hedge funds have to sell stocks to go buy the Japanese yen back. They're short the yen. So it's very, think of it this way. It's just like a short squeeze, but in reverse. So in a short squeeze, a lot of people are short a stock like Tesla, and they think it's going to sell off, right? They think Tesla's uh, going to go down. So they short Tesla and Tesla starts going up. They start losing money on their short. They got to buy Tesla to cover. 
So now Tesla actually goes up even more, and that's a short squeeze. People are covering their short position. When the carry trade is over, if you hear the guy on CNBC say, oh, it looks like the, they're, they're closing the carry trade or the carry trade's coming to an end or the carry trade's under pressure, that means people are selling stocks to buy back the yen. So if that carry trade yesterday had really gotten some even more headwind, it could have accelerated. You could have had a, the markets could have been down 10% in a week pretty easily. That's not out of the question. That's why you got to stay diligent. So it looked like we got a reprieve today. It was fine. But keep an eye on that because if the care, if the yen, if the rates start rising pretty rapidly in Japan, and one way to know that is you can either look at their interest rates or you could just look at their currency, the yen. If their yen's getting stronger, that's going to be negative for U.S. stocks. So, folks, that carry trade is a big deal. And we are always going to err on the side of being conservative. So I'd rather sell out four of the next two corrections. Because if I just say, you know what, I'm going to hold this time. This time's not going to be it. It's going to come back. This is just a pullback. This isn't a, a correction or bear market. That one time I decide not to do it, it's going to do it. I'm going to be down 20, 30%. And Bob's your uncle. You can always get back in. So, folks, that's how we manage money here at Revere. We manage risk first, and the returns take care of themselves. Listen, if you like what you heard, please tell a friend, tell a neighbor. Just send them to revereasset.com. Up in the right-hand corner, there's a subscribe button. They can put in their email address and their name, and I promise you we won't spam them or reach out to them in any way. It's up to them to reach out to us. Uh, but they can. And next to it is a contact button. They can shoot me an email and say they want a complimentary portfolio review, they want a topic discussed, a stock discussed on the show, and we would be happy to do that. Folks, have a safe and healthy weekend. Oh, and I will be off next week. I'm wearing my uh, island shirt uh, in honor. I'm going down to Florida. I'm going to go do a drive-by at Don's house, give him a big wet kiss on my way back to, uh, down to the uh, southwest side of, of Florida. We're going to uh, Fort Myers. I'm going to have some fun down there, Sanibel Island. But I think the team will probably cover for me next week. You going to do the show next week, Don, or are you going to skip it? Absolutely. All right. Uh, we're, so, we're folks, doing the show. we're going to have the show next week. Zach's getting paid. We'll talk to you next week on your money. Because it's not how much you make in the market. It's how much of that you can keep, despite the number of vacations that Danny takes. <laughs>